Hey, I'm Jason Gray. Hey, this is Sarah Gross. Hey, I'm Andrew Osinga. Hi, this is Michael Carr. Hey, this is Andrew Peterson, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. And this is me, so let's have some exciting music. Who is me, you ask? Well, me is Rick Lee James, and this is my podcast, Voices in My Head. We've got a great show for you this week, so stay tuned. Voices in my head. This is Rick Lee James, your host, and this is episode number 101. Uh, just a real quick preface to today's episode. Uh, this is going to be part one of four workshops that I gave over the past weekend up in Michigan at a big event called Team Day. And uh, there were several hundred people there that uh, came through for many different training workshops and things. And I was privileged to get to offer four that pertain to worship leading and songwriting and um, Hopefully some uh, valuable insight uh, that was not only shared by me, but even shared by other people who were in the workshop as we had dialogue together. So uh, this is part one today, and this one is called Songwriting for the Local Church. So I hope you enjoy this for the next few weeks here on Voices in My Head. Uh, Just a little glimpse of what I do when I do a workshop whenever I travel around and visit places. And if you are interested in a workshop or having me come to do a concert or a concert, and workshop or weekend retreats, things like that. Uh, I'd love to talk to you. You can find my information at rickleyjames.com. Thanks again for listening to the Voices in My Head podcast. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy what you hear in these next few episodes. Blessings. Okay, we are now recording, so every little uh, bit of thing that I say now is going to be on the recording for uh, the podcast. So, like I said, if you'd like to have any of this to go back to later on, feel free to go to my podcast, which is titled Voices in My Head. And uh, this seminar today is called Songwriting for the Local Church. I am a songwriter of more non-hit songs than you can possibly imagine, okay? You've, you've probably not heard of me. I have had a few songs published um, actually, this year, Lifeway has picked up uh, uh, three or four of them this year and are going to be uh, presenting them probably towards the holidays um, coming up this season. So there's a few things that I've written, um, but you've probably not heard of me yet. And like most of us songwriters, uh, you know, we don't do it for the fame or the acclaim or whatever. We do it because there's something in us that um, has to come out. I firmly believe that God is a, a God of creativity. And I think that one of, the, one of the best ways for us to be like him is to share with him in that creative activity. And I mean, from the very first page of scripture, um, we have God beginning with creating, you know, and, and doing some really creative, wonderful things. So um, songwriting can, can become actually a holy task. I mean, something that is just, oh no, we've already lost one. Did I offend you? No, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you out. I'm just, I'm just being silly. So, um, and I, and I want this, by the way, to be conversational today in what we're doing. So, um, I just want to talk some about songwriting to let you know a little bit about who I am. Um, I have been on staff in uh, some capacity or another in churches for about the last uh, 15 years or so. Uh, I've been living in Springfield, Ohio, for about 12 and a half years now. Uh, for about the last five, maybe six years, I've been in a, a part-time capacity there where um, I travel a lot too. So I've, I've gone as far as Africa so far, like uh, to do concerts and to speak and do things like that. Um, like I said before, I do a lot of songwriting. Um, some of them I, I have had published, some of them I haven't, and, and that's perfectly okay. It's not really why I write. I write mostly with the local church in mind. Um, So I am the part-time music pastor at First Church of the Nazarene in Springfield, Ohio. Uh, I say part-time because uh, if I'm there, they pay me a little something to be there. If I'm not, they don't. So And I'm always, uh, anytime I have an invitation to go and be somewhere, they are gracious enough to let me go. So uh, that's kind of how it works with us. It's worked pretty well, and I make sure that the worship teams are equipped when I'm gone and stuff. Um, I've written a lot of songs through the years. Um, I've written more bad songs than good songs, and most of us songwriters, that's probably the case. You know, it's it's not so much that you're going to write a good song every time that you write a song. 
you can probably count on not writing a good song <laughs> more times than, than otherwise. Um, because the craft is, is just that it's a craft. Sometimes we get these great ideas and there are moments when God just strikes us with inspiration and we're like, oh wow, I've got to write this down, this is great. And then we get done with it and we play it three days later and we think, wow, this wasn't as good as I thought it was, you know. Or, but then there's sometimes we, we find something wonderful. So there, there is a, a craft to it. And when we think about songwriting for the local church, that's really where a lot of my passion is. I write a lot, like you can see, I just put out for display here. I'm not trying to be too big of an advertisement. I know it looks like I'm doing like a big advertisement. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the screen and everything. But I've got a few CDs. A lot of them are uh, songs that are more solo type songs. And we know there's a difference, right? When you're writing for the church versus when you're just writing for yourself. I, so I have a, a mix of songs that I write for the church versus songs that are just sort of my singer-songwriter type stuff that I do. So I've got several albums. Um, I just recently uh, did this album, which is about half and half songs for the church and, and songs that are, uh, you know, for me, I was playing it when you came in today, Basement Psalms Live. Uh, these are all songs that are written from the Psalms. And this is a book that I wrote that just came out um, a month ago, I think. Um, and this is another book, it's kind of a companion to that one on the Psalms, and it deals some with songwriting for the church. It's called Out of the Depths, uh, Songwriter's Journey Through the Psalms. So uh, if you stick with me today, how many of you are here for more than one session with me today? Okay, you, you poor guys, poor guys and gals. But I already said that she's my favorite, um, Tabby, because she has a Superman shirt. And uh, and that's you know. See my oh, you have a. You're, that's why I said I liked her shoes. You're my, my other son, favorite then. Okay. My son's middle name is Jor-El. Oh wow, that's awesome. Well, you're an even bigger fan than I am. Yeah. My my son's middle name is Grayson, and you oh, probably yeah. know why. Yeah. So you know. Uh, so anyway, you've you've probably heard enough about me now. I'm kind of like you. I'm in the trenches. I uh, are, are, do. We, how many are worship leaders in here? Just by raising hand. Okay, great. A good number. Uh, are are most of you in some capacity like of leadership at your church in some way or another? I mean, all of you, I assume, are in some way, probably? Okay, great. That's wonderful. Well, we're going to talk about songwriting specifically for the local church. There's something different about like um, when somebody sits down and just writes a song from their heart and, and writes it for themselves and and the difference between that and when you're actually going to share it with other people and hopefully have something for other people to sing with you and something memorable that's going to catch on to the heart and catch on to the mind. And so um, that's what we want to talk a little bit about today. Um, the, this, these principles can work with any song, though, that I'm going to kind of be talking about today. It doesn't just have to be a worship song. We're going to try to hone them in on exactly what that is. How many of you have written songs that your church has done or is currently doing, just by raising hand? Okay. One. Anybody? How many of you have written a song before? Okay. Almost everybody in here. Great. How many of you want to write songs? Okay. Great. Pretty much <laughs> almost everybody in here. So that's great. Um Psalm 45.1 is one that I look to a lot. It says, My heart is stirred with a noble theme. As I recite my verses for the king, my tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. And I, I always love that word picture that's in there. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. And whenever you come to writing a song, we want our tongues to be like the pen of a skillful writer. And we literally have this opportunity to put words into the mouths of people in our churches, you know, and we get to help them sing songs. When people leave your church on Sunday morning, chances are they're not going to be humming the sermon. You know what I mean? Um, unless your pastor has turned his sermon into a musical somehow and has been singing it all out, which might be pretty cool. It might be a Les Mis type sermon that day or something. Um, you know. But unless he does that, chances are they're not going to leave humming the sermon. They're going to leave humming the song. And so we have a, a great opportunity not to just give someone a song but to give them something life-changing, to give them something hopefully that's scriptural, something that's sound. And as songwriters, um, I look at people like theologians like Walter Brueggemann who, who have said things in his book, Finally Comes the Poet. He says what Hebrews called prophets, the Greeks called poets. And so in many ways, to be a poet for the church is to be prophetic. And 
the word prophet has gotten lost in a lot of different kind of weird images in our culture. We almost think like incense and smoke and we're looking into the future and you know we uh, but really to be prophetic and to be a prophet is to speak words of God to to give the words to the Lord and prophets are able to uniquely stand outside of their culture and look in and be able to share what they're seeing. Does that make sense? Like you're able to kind of not you, you still are one of the culture, and the prophet's message is never lost on himself. It has to go to him too. But a prophet or a poet for God is able to look outside and kind of look into situations. So when we talk specifically um, about writing a song for the church, and this could be for the local church, this can be for a, a huge body. You know, if someday it gets picked up by a publisher or something, it might be for more than one. Uh, but most likely we're going to be writing on a local level. Uh, here's something you might want to, to jot down, or, or this, is the, the, this is the Twitter post for the day. It may be too many letters, I don't know. But a good song, especially a worship song, it should be easy to remember and hard to forget. Okay? It should be easy to remember and hard to forget. Um, it, it's interesting because... That sounds really easy to do, uh, but it's really hard, actually. If you think of a song like, and, and this is going to take us back a few years, but um, like, like a song like this, Paul Balazs, you know. But open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you. You know, we all know that one, and probably from the first time we heard that one, it's stuck in our heads because it's just like da 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 da. Well, what you don't know is Paul went through a lot of restructuring on that song. This is how it sounded first. I about a month ago I got to hear Paul's original demo of "Open the Eyes of My Heart," and it was kind of like this. It was like a kind of sounded like kind of sounded like uh, more than words by Extreme. You know, it was like open. That was kind of this like almost ballady feel, and and which is nothing wrong with that. But he went through a lot of different shapes and, and a lot of different places till we finally came to what kind of caught on, you know, and, and became something easy to listen to, something to remember. So while it sounds really easy to just say write something easy to remember, hard to forget, it, it's a pretty challenging thing to do actually. So um, most people don't know what they <laughs> most people don't know what they like about a song. You know, they usually just know that they like a song. Um, if you ask a person, why do you like this song, they're probably just going to say, because I like it, you know, because it has a good beat, because it does whatever. So if we're not careful, um, we can put a lot of bad theology in front of our people that they're just going to latch on to because the tune is good, you know, or something like that. So we have this really, like, big task in front of us if we're going to try to write for the church because we want to dive into some good theology. We want to dive into some things that are going to actually be helpful to people. And we want to think specifically of our local church. So um, as songwriters, we get to be a part of helping people express their worship to the Lord. And uh, we're getting our picture taken, I think. So uh, smile big. You know, Make sure you got nothing in your nose or whatever. Whenever the picture comes. Uh, <laughs> um, but while music is often looked at as worship. Music is not worship. Music's just a tool, which I think we all know that as we come together. But we have a category now of music called worship, you know, this big worship explosion has happened. So we get to help people express their heart's longings. And the best songs that we have sometimes are not crafted for commercial purposes, you know. I mean, the, the best ones are, are almost, uh, you know, hymn-like, you know, that they, they, they stick in your mind or something that you can remember really easily. Um, like, how many of you probably latched on to, like, In Christ alone my hope is found He is my life, my strength, my song You know, that, that tune is really good. But uh, you get into the second verse and it's, like, strongly Calvinistic, you know. And, and so we start finding, like, I noticed at one of the General Assemblies a while back, they sang that. 
and they took some liberties with the lyrics and changed, you know, something like, on that, instead of on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. I think they changed it to like, uh, the, the Son of God was crucified, you know, or something like that, because in the Nazarene church, you know, we're not real big on saying that God crucified Jesus, you know, it wasn't God's wrath, it was man's, you know, that came through. So we have an opportunity to even tweak songs sometimes when we come to them. So when, when you get a song idea, this is maybe the most important thing. When you get a song idea, write it down. <laughs> because chances are you're not going to probably remember it. Um, how many of you guys have, this is probably a dumb question, but how many of you have watched Seinfeld? You guys have seen the Seinfeld show. Did you see that episode where he wakes up in the middle of the night and he jots down an idea for a joke? Have you guys ever seen that one? Okay, if you haven't seen it, it's hilarious. I'm not telling you to go watch Seinfeld. But he wakes, he wakes up in the middle of the night. His TV has been on. He's like falling asleep with the TV on. He wakes up in the middle of the night. He grabs a notepad next to his bed. He jots something down. He's kind of... <laughs> and then he goes back to sleep. The next day, he can't read his writing, you know? <laughs> and he's like, is this funny? Like, and he's, he's sharing it with uh, uh, George and Elaine, and he's asking, like, is that a P? Like, what is that that's on there? And uh, the whole episode, he's, he's trying to figure out what his joke is that he's written down. So make sure you write it down, though. That's an example. You want to make sure you write it clearly where you remember it. And it helps to actually record it if you can, too. Because sometimes, I know this is me personally, I'll get an idea... If I don't record it right away, it doesn't have to be like a fancy device like this Tascam recorder. It can be your phone. It can be whatever. You can call yourself and leave a voicemail message, and that's one of the best things you can possibly do. My family is teasing about it because I've got several people <laughs> on my phone and me just going, da 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 da, da Yeah, da, da. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's one of the best things you can do, though, because if you don't capture the idea, um, you'll just lose it. It's just the way we are. We have so many you know, tunes that go in our head. Um, there have been times that I've written down like a song lyric and then I come back to it and I'm like, what in the world was I trying to, what, what was I trying to match that to? I can't figure out what that was for. So it's important to write it down, but also if you can, record it, send it to yourself. It doesn't have to be perfect like right out of the, the shoot or anything. You have some time to work with it. Um, but one, one thing you might want to do as you're writing things down is don't feel weird about writing down people's prayers, like in church. If you think about like the book of Psalms, which is basically a prayer book slash song book, um, somebody had to write those prayers down, you know? Somebody had to write them out. Um, we have these scenes in scripture of, um, of worship services happening and stuff. And I know it was, it was years later before people actually started writing things, but at some point, somebody had to write these shared prayers down. Somebody had to write these shared songs down. I think of like in the Gospels when we have, you know, Mary, my soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And the, the Gospel writers took the time to write out what may have been, you know, this song that Mary was singing or whatever. So sometimes as an exercise, if you're at a prayer meeting, if you're at church or something, keep a notebook close by because when you're writing for the local church, especially, you're going to start hearing things um, in prayer request times. You're going to hear, start hearing things that people are going through. Um, you're going to start thinking about, um, you know, wow, this, this person's wife just died. You know, this person needs some hope today. You know, this is their first Sunday back after um, being with their spouse for 45 years. And this is their first Sunday in our church today. What do we need to say to them? You know, what do they need to hear today? Or you might have, um, as you're listening for prayers, requests may come up, marriages are in trouble. Um, I think of songs like um, uh, Cry Out to Jesus by Third Day, you know, that have this verse about, you know, marriages that are just barely holding on. And songs like that have become so meaningful to people who are in that situation who need to have some hope like that. There may be great sicknesses. So, you know, don't feel weird about writing down prayers people are praying. Sometimes it's simply a prayer that you write down that becomes the prayer of everyone's heart. Sometimes you can put a simple tune to it and, and you can sing it together. 
you know, and it, it's and once you start singing it, it really can start getting into your heart, and it can start being you know memorized and being used in that way. So, um, your your <clears throat> your songwriting can sort of be a diary for yourself too, in some ways, you know, some personal things you're going to uh, and through. But we want to remember when we're writing for the local church, we want to see how we can all sing it together and how we can do it well. Um, so one thing you can do is um, when, you, when you start with a song, those of you that have written in here, everybody does it a little differently. Um, those of you that have written songs, you start with music first, you start with words first. What's your... Words? Okay, words first, and then you work music in. Anybody work the other way? Yes, you know what? I, I found that when I first started writing, it was a lot more lyrical first. Mm -hmm. And I find now, just because I'm busy with, with everything else, a lot of times the music will come first, mm -hmm. and I end up filling it in with ideas later. Okay, yeah, and we, we kind of have those seasons where there's different um, ways that we write. Uh, I want to encourage you to, to try something called clustering, which you probably learned this in some of your classes in school anyway when you're writing. It's uh, it's almost like brainstorming. You kind of write down an idea uh, for a song. Maybe it's the theme of the song or something you want to say. Maybe put a circle around it and then just all around it, write every word that comes to mind. You know about it. You don't have to use any of these words. And by the by the way, you know there's nothing holy but the Lord when it comes to <laughs> songwriting. So songwriting, you should be able to change often you know sometimes even after it's recorded and been sent out sometimes it needs to be changed again so the song's not done till it's done but maybe try like a clustering brainstorm type thing where you're writing down things on the center of a page and then writing all these words that may come around it don't feel like you have to organize them right away just start brainstorming just start writing them out just start writing them out um, and then you can do some outlining, you can do some sequencing and, and, and structuring of the songs, different things. But you might start asking, like, how, how is this going to sing? How is this phrase going to sing? And then how can we make that phrase consistent when we sing it again? Like, because w to get into your head, especially for a congregation, something has to kind of be consistent. You have to like get the melody going and, and keep it in your head and, and keep it going that way. So let me give you an example of a song. I, I just finished writing this one um, with a friend of mine, um, Andrew Greer, out of Nashville. And um, Andrew has several really cool, innovative albums. And um, he has one called Angel Band, the, the Angel Band Sessions, and, and one called the... Uh, Christmas Angel Band or something like that. It's a it's a Christmas edition. Sorry, Andrew, if, if you're listening to this, I've, I've got your album wrong. But um, he takes like hymns and things that um, some you've heard of, some you probably haven't, and he kind of reuses them and does some different things. So anyway, Andrew and I did a writing session a while back, and we were trying to think um, specifically for a local church, communion. You know, there's not tons of communion songs out there. I mean, there are, but probably not tons that you'd want to use, you know, we were getting ready to have communion in a couple of weeks, so um, over Skype, I was in Ohio where I live, and he was in Nashville, and over Skype, we sat down and kind of coined this song, so kind of listen as I'm singing, hopefully you can kind of hear um, a consistent, um, like the, the syllables are consistent in the way that we're trying to sing them, and the melody line is consistent, so it's kind of like, uh, to every daughter, Every son, every tribe, and every tongue. This is the call, the heart of love. This is the invitation. So the invitation is actually the name of the song. We're trying to figure out how to invite people that day. So one thing you want when you're writing a song if you don't have a title for it it may not be a very good song <laughs> because if you can't tell concisely what the song is in like the title you probably don't know what the song is about and it might be about a lot of different things so just to reinforce that idea from the first verse i threw a second verse in before we get to the chorus so we have the table spread with bread and wine Life and blood of Jesus. 
take and eat, raise and drink. This is the invitation. And we kind of build in, do a little bit bigger chorus, open it up. This is the table of the Lord for everyone. There is a place. Taste and see that He is good. The bread of life, the cup of grace. This is the We try like with each time, at the end of the chorus, end of the verse, we're coming back to the idea of this is the invitation. You know, this is the invitation. You're invited. You're invited to come. So it's sort of a theme. So that's one I wrote like specifically for my church. We used it last Sunday in communion. And I was thinking about um, different people, what they're going through. I had a conversation with a person maybe a month before that that was in my mind a lot. Um, and uh, he grew up in the church, um, got away from the church, um, started living, um, uh, he, you know, he, he came out of the closet, he's gay, um, he went, lived somewhere else in sort of that community, became disenchanted with the gay community, kind of felt like he didn't have a place anywhere now, you know, felt like he didn't have a home at church because of who he was, he didn't have a home there because he felt kind of disenfranchised and disheartened by the gay community where he was and throughout the course of the conversation you know it's partly where this came from the idea of the table of the Lord is welcoming everyone let everyone come and be transformed let everyone come be a part of the feast you know that, that Christ is here with open arms and I was thinking just through that conversation like how many people out there feel like they just don't have any place they can go, any place they can belong, any place that they know they will be loved, um, you know, just as they are, not as they do, that they have to come first to know that the Savior loves them, who they are. And partly through conversations like that and then knowing, you know, communion was coming up, the idea that we want to offer the Lord at the table, um, that was where, like, that song was birthed out of. So... You can write about things specifically where you are. You know, it's going to mean a lot to your church. At the same time, um, in my local church, just recently, we had um, a lady pass away. Um, her and her husband were just almost like the bedrocks of our church. You know, they they teach the young adult singles class. They're uh, both in their 60s, but um, she's the oldest living survivor of cystic fibrosis, and she passed away. And so. That was another thing that the, the song goes in, talks about people who are broken and people who are longing and thinking of her husband coming back to church, like I said before, for the first time. So we're trying to write things that'll help them. So try to write a consistent meter uh, whenever you're writing a song. That one that I just shared with you, da 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 You know, when we get back to the second verse, it's the same thing. da 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 um, one of the mistakes we often make is, as songwriters is every verse does something a little bit different, you know, and it doesn't always fit and match the flow every time. Uh, it should be, especially when you're writing for the church again, that those verses are going to kind of lock in together. You've got to marry the, the words with that melody wherever you go. And that's where the call to be creative comes in and, and to say some new and some different things whenever you're writing. So um, try to lock those consistent rhythmic type things in um, that people are going to remember whenever they come together. You want to also try um, to match the mood of the song to the music. Um, sometimes sometimes people are a little artsy and they'll, they'll do songs that like are intentionally ironic and the words don't match the music. I'll give you a good example of this. Uh, Jillian Welch. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Jillian Welch, but... Um, She's a bluegrass singer, kind of a folky bluegrass singer, and she has a song because uh, I wanna sing that rock and roll. I wanna electrify my soul. You know, it's like it's a straight bluegrass song, but it's called I wanna sing that rock and roll. You know, it's 
that can be ironic, and that's kind of a fun twist on the thing. But for the most part, you want the mood to match, you know, what what you're singing. You know, that that's the main thing. A lot of times, you know, you you don't want to, you don't probably want to write like, you know. Him. You know, it's like it's that that doesn't that's almost David like yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. That's true. Um, and I guess I can work in some circles, but really, if you're like writing from a psalm like that, you know, like give thanks to the Lord, it might be more fitting to like give thanks to the Lord, call on His name, and make known His deeds among the people. You know, so you have a little bit more brighter, you know, feel to it rather than. Give thanks to the Lord. You know, so you want to try to match the mood of the song to the music, whatever it is that you're writing. Um, and, and that can sometimes be tricky, too. Sometimes you don't know the mood when you first jump into a song, and it'll kind of come later on. So uh, just play around with it. Like I said, nothing's holy but God. You know, you can go in and, and mess with it all you want. Um, but try to listen to the mood of the music and feel like what the emotional feel of it is. If you do like I did and you go to the Psalms, and I, I have like a whole album on the Psalms, um, I wanted to try to capture what the mood was for the Psalm I was bringing. You know, there, there's this great, I'll give you an example. This isn't so much a congregational song, the one I'm going to share that I wrote, but you guys all know this song probably from many years ago. The, As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. It's, it's real sweet, and it sings like a, a lullaby, and it's a melody. Um, that psalm could not be further from that melody. You know, when you think about Psalm 42, it's, it's literally, I'm going to die if I don't get a drink of water. <laughs> you know, like, um, I, I, it's almost like this, I'm in this barren wasteland. I'm wasting away. Um, I, if I don't have help, my next breath isn't even going to come, you know. So the psalmist, the way that it's written, a lot of people even think, Psalm 42, that he was a person who had been a victim of kidnapping and had been taken away from his home and was writing about you know, all these um, men who were mocking him, where is your God and all that. And so somebody wrote, I mean, it's a beautiful song. Somebody came up and, and just was spending time with that psalm and went, as the deer panteth for the water, you know? It's beautiful, but it's not the psalm. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's now. Let me say, it is. It's fine to sing that. I mean, I think it's a beautiful song. But you might want to start asking, like, if I was going to go to that psalm, what would I do? How would I make the feel different? So, just an example. This is what I did with it. Again, this isn't so much a congregational song, but it's something that, to me, fit better. You know, with the feel, it was kind of a. song or anything but to me it matches like the tone better of the psalm and, and where you're trying to come to so if you're writing a song from scripture you know make sure that your your feel of the song actually fits what the scripture says um, if you're writing for the church keep some commentaries close by you know I, I think that's a, a wonderful idea and several translations of the Bible you know so sometimes grab um, grab a kid's Bible 
You know, if you ever look through like a children's Bible, sometimes they put things so simply and so concisely, it's just like, wow, this is perfect. This this would make a really singable scripture, you know, and, and it, it, sometimes they're the best. Um, but don't just stop there. I mean, keep keep four or five different translations of scripture around. The neat thing about scripture is um, you can translate it from the Greek. I mean, trust me, I've had Greek. Probably some of you have, have had Greek too. I took it in school. Um, I'm not saying I was a Greek genius. I certainly wasn't. But I understand what it is to translate a word. But there's a real difference in translating a word and then getting what that word actually meant to the culture of the day and the time. There's going to be things that, like the word fear. You know, I mean, fear of the Lord is going to mean something completely different to us than it would have those that wrote, you know, that say fear the Lord in the scripture. The, the fear is going to be different. So as a songwriter, you can kind of flesh out what that means. And, and help people kind of see what that fear is, that that fear is more of a, an awestruck wonder. You know, it's not, it's not a, a, a terror or something. It's, it's standing in awe and being uh, who you are. So um, as you approach Scripture, you know, go with, like, commentaries and things like that to help you. Um, and you want to ask the question, if you're writing for your congregation, you know, is it biblical? And also, is it something people are going to care about? <laughs> you know, <laughs> is it something that, that's going to touch people? in some way. Um, is, is it centered on God or is it centered on us? Um, that's, that's a very interesting thing. I, I can almost see it general, generationally in different kinds of music. Um, some songs are, are very focused on us and some songs are very focused on God. And so a lot of songs are like testimony songs versus songs that these are for the people of God. I personally love the Psalms because they're not written to be individual pieces of music or individual prayers. They can be used that way, but they're supposed to be for the entire community together. The way that they were written and the function that they had was, you know, in the temple for temple worship. They came to the Psalms and they did them together. So you might start, you know, going to something like the Psalms and saying, how can we sing this all together? What's, what's a way that we can sing? Like, uh, Psalm 8's been done to death. How can we do it in a different way, you know? Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. How majestic is your name, oh, Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name. How majestic is your name. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You know, that's something with kind of a consistent melody that's going to flow through, and it repeats. Repeating is a very good thing whenever you're writing a song. I know a lot of the older people in, in your churches may not think repeating is a good thing. They'll think repetition's bad. Um, if, you, if they think that's the case, people in your church give you a hard time, just send them to the Psalms. And, and I forget what number it is, but go, tell them to go to that one, His Love Endures Forever Psalms, where every phrase, His Love Endures Forever, blah, blah, blah. His Love Endures Forever, blah, blah, blah. You know, that sounds blasphemous, doesn't it? Blah, 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 when I'm talking about Scripture. Sorry. Uh, my excuse is I'm on meds today. Um, but anyway, maybe try to, uh, to go in to something like the Psalms when you're writing for your church. Those things are going to be universal, and it's, it's going to be something that I think will be beneficial and helpful for your songs. Um, so think about uh, some intangible elements of a song. These are a few things, and, and if you want to jot them down, you can. But all songs have intangible elements, things that you can't necessarily see, taste, touch, feel, whatever, but they're there. Um, it's, it's what you have to say, like the message of the song. What's the message of this? Um, can, you, can you tell me what the message is just by the song? You know, does the title, that gets back to the title again. Is this what the message is? Um, it's the overall, you know, feel. What style of song is this? Is this, uh, is it pop, punk, rock, emo, country, dubstep, rap? I don't know. Probably, probably most of you aren't doing a lot of um, those varieties in your churches, but you might be. I, I, I think it's cool if you try it, you know. But, you know, is this going to be, is this, is this a blues song? You know, it's hard to do blues in church because you don't have a lot of like, you know, I'm so sad that Jesus saved me. You know, it's like, you know, you, you have to have like happy blues or something. But 
by the same token, there is a place for the blues. You know, there's a whole chapter in my book about, you know, all the lament psalms and things like that. So you could very well have a bluesy type song in church or something. And so it doesn't matter what style it is, but you need to figure it out. And, and yes? We used to joke in our worship teams, uh, anytime we would be doing the same style too long, mm-hmm. you know, we used to joke that we wanted to bust out with a dubstep one morning and just see what yeah. people would say. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. figured it would probably be the last that that team would probably, <laughs> would it, probably do, but it, it would be a way to Well, go. it's our last Sunday anyway. We might as well, you know, that's right. Um, so we have the message, the style, uh, the atmosphere of the song. Like, like, where does the song take place? Is it before the throne of God, or is it in Florida? You know, <laughs> like, is it in Bethlehem, or is it on our street? You know, because it could be if you're writing for the local church, maybe you've got a theme specifically for your church in mind, and you want to set up, like, the atmosphere. Maybe it's going to be something that only... It's okay to write songs that only apply to your church, actually. That, that is okay to do. It doesn't have to be something that's universal um, if it's something your church can, can use. Um, what's the mood of the song, you want to ask? What's the mood? How do you feel about what you're saying? Um, is it happy? Is it sad? Is it nostalgic? Is it worshipful? Um, is it joyful and triumphant? You know, something like that. Um, and then there's, there's more tangible elements to a song, too, which is kind of the form that it takes. Um, you'll hear, like, you know, songs that'll take an A, B, A, B, C, A, you know, form structure. Like, A is the verse, B is the chorus, C would be, like, the bridge. That's mostly what we, you know, write around. Like, uh, let's see, what's what's a song that's real popular today? Like, uh, 10,000 Reasons is, like, A, B, A, B, A, B. You know, it's like, bless... No, I'm sorry, it starts on B, the chorus. <laughs> so it's like, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, oh, my soul. And you go through the whole chorus, and then you're on a verse, you know, the A section. You're rich in love, and you're slow to anger. That, that one's one that doesn't have a bridge. Um, but you need to decide, like, what form you want the song to take. We have a lot of um, songs that are like breaking out of the mold too now, where they don't. Um, honestly, I attribute a lot of this to the Dave Matthews Band's influence on churches, you know, <laughs> because like, uh, not not that our songs sound a lot like Dave Matthews, but they actually do have like. We've changed our structure to where there's not always a structure to the song. It's like. Let's go do a verse, and then let's go right into the bridge, and then we're going to do a chorus, and then let's go back to the, and it's, it's almost like just to throw you off, like, um, like you know the stand, that song, the stand, it lasts for 20 minutes, you know, it's like, you stood before creation, that's not the part people remember, you know, it, it, when it finally changes and it gets to that part, it's real emotional, then... We've already had a verse, and of course, now we're getting into like this long bridge. So, so I stand with arms high and heart abandoned. You know, it's like it's almost like there's a second song in the middle of the song, you know, where it gets to. So, it you can do things that way. Obviously, that's something that's resonated, but it may be hard for your congregation to catch on to that. If you do write a song like that, make sure you introduce it first. Like maybe a few weeks before, like maybe five till every week. You're gonna let's let's do a five minute till service song, and this is gonna be a new one. Maybe do it two or three weeks in a row to get it in their head, because um, you know people will get that eventually, and it'll pop in there. But a lot of our congregations are their ears aren't tuned to that. So um, you also have to know who you're writing for, like know how to exegete your congregation. If if any of you have had any theology, exegete it means to interpret. So interpret who your people are. Um, if, if your congregation is made up of, um, you know, 70% people who are in their 60s and 70s, you're probably not going to do um, the, the same thing as you would if your church had 20-somethings, you know. Um, if you have an older congregation that likes southern gospel, bluegrass type stuff, maybe you need to do more of a, you know, like... Praises to the King, hallelujah, raise your voice and sing, praises to the King. So, you know, you might have, hi Ashley. Hi. This is uh, 
For those of you on the recording, Ashley Sarver just walked in. Famous musician, great little songwriter herself. Um, but if your church is like that, you might want to try to write a song that's got like a southern feel like that. Me personally, now I just I just have to say my style preference personally is not in that southern gospel vein. Okay, I, I don't find a lot that I personally like from it, but a lot of people in my congregation do, and that's like it's the musical language of their generation, you know. And a lot of this is about learning to speak a musical language that everybody can speak together when you're writing a song. So maybe stretch yourself sometime, you know. Maybe you're not one of those people that writes that kind of music, but you want to ask how the song can serve your congregation. I mean, that's a very important thing. Um, don't just write it to be cool and to be a rock star worship leader or whatever. Um, try to write something that's helpful and, and something that can actually be used with good theology in there. Uh, when, you, when you think about, like, songs that are, are really well written and stick in your head, um, Share with me, just just throw out some titles of songs that to you, like your church has latched on to. If you can think of one. Like, he has made me glad. Okay, is that, it, now, is that the old one, like the He Has Made Me Glad, or are you talking about the um, the Hillsong Made Me Glad song? Okay, they also like, I will enter his gates with Thanksgiving. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> all right, great. Um, so what, what about that one? That, that one probably tells me, are there several older people in your congregation? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, because that's like a generation that, that gets, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart, you know, like that. And I see the smiles around the room. I, um, you know, my church, I can't remember the last time we did that one, so that one probably wouldn't go over super well. But uh, with yours, that's perfect. So maybe you need to figure out, like, if I'm going to write for them, how do I write something Maybe that's a little bit in that vein, but maybe I can bring it in a little more modern context as well, you know, from that song or, or how we do it. Uh, what's some other songs that your congregations have watched a lot? Okay, yeah, you are the everlasting God. What do you think about your congregation, like, why do you think they've latched on to that one? Um, I think, I, well, one, I mean, it's, it's, it's got a great hook. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a very easily sung song. message of hope and, and strength and, you know as, as we wait upon the Lord I think it's a uh, I think it's a great combo all kind of in that yeah. song you know it's, sure it's just a good song awesome it's great are, are we supposed to be out of here at 1125 am I am I wrong about that it says that on my sheet so. oh okay okay so I need to let you guys go pretty soon so, darn it. Well, let me, let me try to finish up uh, real fast. Shoot, I was going to, well, they'll go on. I'm about out of time, so I don't, I don't want to get too much into it. But think about your congregation when you're writing. Let's just put it down to that. Think about where you are. Um, don't, don't try to write for the whole world, unless you're wanting to pitch a song, and that's fine. You can do that. But try to think specifically about what your congregation is going through when you're writing a song. Try to write something that's singable, something that has a good, easy flow to it, something that they can latch on to and, and hopefully can kind of sing together. Um, if, if it's if it's too hard, if it changes too much, your congregation is going to have a hard time jumping onto it. You know, they're going to have a hard time singing along with it. There's a reason that, you know, like Chris Tomlin has, what is it, <laughs> 15 songs on the CCLI Top 100 or something. Yeah. Not only is he a good writer, he co-writes with other people, and they write these really simple singable melodies now he sings it through the rafters so you have to you know put on extra tight pants on sunday to sing or something whenever you go uh, or drop the key whenever you do it but there's songs like that 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 stick and and there's even you know older songs too like um that are going to stick in people's heads if you think in the southern gospel you know light which i don't do very often but like um, he touched me or things like that there's there's a reason those things have become kind of like timeless and they've they've stuck around and then people start re-recording them again it's because they're they're more simple than they are complex and everything so let me, let me just start are there any questions or comments or anything I, I know we've used up most of our hour you here talk a lot about the lyrics but when it comes to arranging the music part I mean how do you go about that I mean okay. most of us if we're writing we're either writing on guitar or piano right so that's been written. Okay. How do you 
get a lead guitar part in there? How do you get, if you write on guitar, how are you getting the piano in there? Okay. Percussion, yeah. yeah, well, I would say a lot of that has to do with like when you're practicing at church and and when you're doing like an arrangement thing. That doesn't necessarily always have to be in the actual writing of the song. The basic structure of the song that you want is is going to be sort of the A B A B C format or however you decide to put it in that way. Um, that to me sounds more like arranging. Um, if I had more time, I could show you, but a good example would be like the song Today is the Day that was written by Paul Balash and Lincoln Brewster. You know, Today is the day you have made. That's a good example of, um, you can listen to both of their versions. They're both the same song. They couldn't be more different style-wise, like whenever you go into it. Paul Balash's version has got all this like big delay on the front end of the guitar. It's almost like U2, you know, at the beginning whenever it's played. Lincoln Brewster, of course, he's Mr. Guitar, so everything is, is the other way on that. A lot of that, I think, just has to do with arranging. If, if you can get yourself a good, strong, like, verse and chorus section, um, you can kind of decide that, like, in your practice time, or when the song is completely finished, you can say, okay, I need a good solo here or I need other things there. A lot of that's going to depend on the musicians you have to work with and what they can hear from the song too. Um, so be writing be writing for other musicians as well. When Think about like what you're going to play and how they can play it along too. If it's, if it's way too complex for the other musicians to catch on, it may not be right for your local church, you know, in that state of mind. I don't know if that answered your question. I hope it does a little bit. I'm sorry if it didn't. I'd be glad to try to go further, but... We're out of time, I think, so. And that ended up being about all we had time for that day. Uh, hope you enjoyed workshop one. Next week on Voices in My Head, I'm going to be presenting workshop number two that I presented in Michigan at Team Day, and it was titled the Worship Band Workshop. So if you're a worship leader or you play in a worship band, uh, hopefully you're going to find some useful information there. Again, thanks for listening to Voices in My Head. We'll see you back here next week. God bless you. You've been listening to Voices in My Head the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience. So if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.